You're about to listen to a message of Foundation of Truth Assembly. May the word you hear bear fruit in your heart now and always. To you we offer praise, Lord Jesus. To you we bring our thanks. Elohim, Adonai, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. With the totality of ourselves, we come before you today to say, do with us just as you please. Our worship is more than these songs. It's more than that. This is the totality of who we are. And we lay our lives down, our hearts, our everything, our resources. We put them down on the altar. That you do with us just as you want. In worship, we prostrate in the spirit. In total surrender, in absolute surrender to you. Saying, Lord, have your way. Have your way. Not as we please, but as you please. For your glory. Oh Lord, for your glory. Not for us. Not for what we will become. Not for what our name will be. Not for what will be attached to our names. But for your glory, Lord Jesus. Do with us as you please. We surrender. We surrender. Have your way, dear Lord, as we continue. We pray that you will speak to our core. Lord, let your word go like fire and burn up everything that is not of you. Let it go like armor and beat into shape everything that is no longer looking like you. That Christ may be honored, that Jesus may be lifted, that our lives will be yielded, totally yielded, and conformed to the image of Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Glory and honor to your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name, we have worshipped. Amen. Hallelujah, friends. Good morning. I bring you greetings this morning. You are special. In case you don't hear it often, please be reminded today that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. God took time to design you. He didn't make a mistake. Before he formed you, he appointed a purpose. And so you were made to fit that purpose. Even if you don't look like it now, it's a matter of time. If you stay with him, the world will marvel at what God has made. You are the solution to a specific problem. And then you were made with care, with precision, made on spec. So feel good, feel great. The one who called you is faithful and he will perform it in the name of Jesus Christ. I will especially welcome you back to our service this morning. It's the new wine service. For those of us who are new, new wine is a youth expression of Foundation of Truth Assembly. By the grace of God, our church, Foundation of Truth Assembly, has branches 
across Nigeria and one at the moment in the US. By the grace of God, we are moving forward, we are expanding. And all the youth of all the branches in Lagos headquarters, at Ajay, in Festac, in Abuja, we're all on this platform. Very soon, those of them in Houston and the other branches that will come will also be a part of this movement, the Youth Church, New Wine. And together, we will become new wine in new wineskin so that indeed the Lord will find us useful for what He has to do in these end times. We cannot use the old methods to solve new problems. Our message remains the same. Christ Jesus and Him crucified, the kingdom of God, and that's superior to every other kingdom. But the methods, the platforms, the approach, we will continue to adapt. Bible says concerning Paul, said I became all things so that by enemies I may win some. So this is our approach towards reaching some. Those who would not like to come to church on Sunday, those who are working on Sunday, those who have other things to do during the week, those who don't get fed the word, those who don't attend a midweek service. But you can take 90 minutes to listen to the word of God, to fellowship with brethren, to sing, to dance, to do whatever it is that we'll be doing together in this period. And we know indeed that the Lord will continue to bless you in the name of Jesus. Week in, week out, by the grace of God, we hear testimonies of how God is reaching out to people and how lives are being changed and how lives are being transformed. This can be your story too, if it is not currently your story. And we trust that together, God is building us into an army and we shall take possession of that which He had in mind before He called us. He called us into this, to have dominion. But we will not have dominion until we discover who we are. And we cannot discover who we are until we discover who He is. That's why we started this series a couple of weeks back on revealing Jesus. On letting us know the one whom we have said we are following. The one that we genuinely want to follow. But maybe we didn't meet Him well. Maybe we didn't see Him well. Maybe we don't understand who it is that we are following. And then... It's affecting how we are following. It's affecting what we commit to. It's affecting what we can bear as we follow him. Because as we follow him, challenges do come. And they are bound to come. He warned us ahead. He said, in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And indeed, because he lives in us. And he has overcome the world. We too then have the power to overcome the world. And he empowered us to do many things. He gave us authority to do many things. So we started to talk about who Jesus is. According to what he said about himself. His testimony about himself. How he described himself. And he has described himself severally in different ways. Today we go to the next I am statements of Jesus. In the same book of John that we have started to study for some weeks now. And we move to chapter 15. Our title today is, I am divine. I am divine. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of John, chapter 15. I'm going to read a couple of verses and begin to share. I read from verse 1. Bible says, I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he take it away. I'm reading KJV today. Maybe I will also switch and read some other simpler versions. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, 
that it may bring forth more fruits. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except ye abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse 7, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it will be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so that ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. This is the passage for our reading today. And verse 5 is my emphasis. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abided in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I struggled with that last statement for many years, growing up earlier as a Christian. What kind of thing is Jesus saying? How can you say without me you can do nothing? Before I met you, I've been doing many things. How can you say without me you can do nothing? We will come to what the Lord meant as he used those words in the course of time. So, let me teach um, from my primary school approach of teaching today. You know, growing up in Sunday school, when we read a passage like this, we call it inductive Bible study. We start peeling its by observation first. Then we go to interpretation. Then we go to application. So we observe from this passage that I just read, these 10 verses. The person who was speaking was Jesus. And he was speaking to not the multitude. No. He was speaking to the disciples. Indeed, he was speaking to the 11 disciples because at this time, Judas has left the WhatsApp group. He had gone to fraternize with the Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees. And they've given him some pieces of silver that eventually made him sad and get his belly burst in the middle. And the Lord had started on that lovely evening to dine with his disciples. The last dinner I was going to have. The Lord's Supper as we call it. The Holy Communion. Bible said they went there into that house and they were having their dinner as a group. So the Lord got up while dinner was on, grabbed the towel, grabbed some water, and began to wash the feet of the apostles. And we know the story all too well. Peter was 
Say, no, you, you can do that. You're my master. Why should you do that? But Jesus told him, if I don't do that, you don't have a part in me. Say, oh, if that's it, then you don't need to wash only my leg. Please wash me from head to toe. I said, no, 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 I don't need to wash you from head to toe. You're already clean by the words that I speak to you. Say, but not a lot of you. Say, because there's somebody here. And Jesus was speaking very deeply that night. Say, there's somebody here. He's right here at our table. He looks like us. He talks like us. Like you guys, when I empowered you to cast out demons, he had the privilege to do it. We went together for retreats. He saw the miracles. He saw while I was walking on water. He saw when I fed the 5,000, when I fed the 7,000. He was there when I called Lazarus forth from the grave. He was there when I drew eyes for the man who had no eyes and told him to go wash in the pool. He was there. He was there when I went to the pool of Bethesda. And I made that man who had been there for 38 years. I made him get up. He was there. When I went to the house of Jairus and raised his daughter, he was there. He said, but he's also here now. And he's going to betray me. Not everyone who is here with us, who is professing to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus, who comes to church, who pays the tithe. Oh, brother, our brother Judas was not only giving, he was holding what was given and stealing what was given. So it doesn't matter what title you hold. He was a treasurer of the inner carcass ministry of Jesus Christ. And yet it was him who was going to betray the Lord. Not because his name was put there. He made himself available to the enemy. So Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. And everybody was saying, Lord, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? He said, don't worry, I will give you a sign. He said, the one to whom I hand this bread when I've dipped it in the soap. He it is. And I'm sure he must have kept talking. Because if it had happened immediately, people would have lost. Ah, Judas. Maybe they would have ganged up and beaten him that night or tied him down. Because Jesus had made it clear that this Jerusalem we have come to have come to die. No. They didn't like the idea. They didn't want it to happen. But he kept telling them again and again. This is why I came. And the point has come. But there is an enabler. Judas, the enabler of evil. Say woe to him. It would have been better if he wasn't born. Woe to him. So he, he dipped the bread in the soup and handed it to Judas. People didn't discern what was happening. Sometimes Jesus does things like that and we don't discern it. A prophetic word comes and a signal to identify it comes but we miss it up with conversation so they missed the point because immediately Jesus gave him Jesus said something he said that which you do do it quickly and they misunderstood what Jesus said they thought he was saying oh because you have the money on behalf of the ministry as we normally do we give to the poor go and buy those foodstuff and give to the poor they didn't know what Jesus was saying I know your intents I know that you have been talking to my enemies. You have been planning against me. I hope we are not like that. Talking with Jesus and talking with his enemies and planning against him. I hope we are not like that. So they misunderstood the point and the man left. So after Judas left, then the Lord began to teach them more. 
He spoke about the Holy Ghost. He told them that I'm not going to leave you just like that. When I go, I send you my partner. He's going to be your teacher. He's going to be with you. And he's going to be in you. He will come and live in you. So he taught them about the Holy Ghost. And when he got to chapter 15, then he began to teach them something deeper, which is our emphasis today. So it was Jesus speaking, and he was speaking to his disciples. The tone of the speech, how was he speaking? This was very persuasive. You know, there are times that Jesus teaches with a lot of um, a teacher's voice to, to command you, to direct you, to rebuke you, to align you, to comfort you. So here, he was speaking in this chapter 15. He was speaking to persuade them. Earlier in um, chapter 14, if you read from um, maybe verse 25, when he was speaking about the Holy Spirit, the gift that he was going to leave them with, he was speaking to comfort them. So don't be worried. I'm going away, but I'm not totally going away. There is someone who represents me, who will not speak of himself, who will remind you of everything I've taught you, who will be with you, who will comfort you, who will live inside of you. The paraclete. He said, he will be with you. So he was comforting them with that. But when he got to verse 15, he switched. He was persuading them about something. A need that they, they had, which they did not recognize. The need to abide in him. So he was persuading them about it. He needed to pass this vital message. You know, when a man is about to die, watch the things he says. They are very vital. So just before he will go to the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he will face those who hated him and wanted him dead, he was going to leave his disciples with certain truths. And this was one of them. In chapter 15, he told them about it. In chapter 16, he went back to talking about the Holy Ghost. So between chapter 14, talking about the Holy Ghost, and chapter 16, talking about the Holy Ghost, he gave us this vital core message. It's like when you are eating donuts, there's that jam in the middle. This is the jam in the middle. Don't miss it. He said, you need to keep this. Otherwise, our relationship will be under stress. It will not matter. That the Holy Ghost has come to you. If you will not abide in me. He will not be able to abide in you. So he began to teach them. So let's peel verse by verse. What was the Lord saying? When he said I am. The vine. Let's go back to verse 1. I'll switch to my NIV now. It says I am the true vine. True vine. Oh is there a fake vine? Is there a rubber vine? And you know, we, we, we see this a lot. You go to restaurants, you see a table is set. Not everything on the table is edible. Some are for design. They may look like grapes. They are not grapes. They are rubber. So he said, I'm not the rubber vine. I am not the synthetic vine. I am the true vine. Jesus doesn't waste words. So when he says true, it means that there is a different vine. But I'm different from that. If you are familiar with symbolism in scriptures, you will know why he said true before he put vine. Let's go to um, Psalms 80 to see 
The vine that the people knew before. Hmm? The people that he was speaking to, they were familiar with a kind of vine. They grew up knowing about a kind of vine. Let's go to Psalm um, 80. I found something here about this symbolism of vine. Start from verse verse 8. This was a psalm written by David and he was speaking about a symbolism. He was referring to God. He said, Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt. The vine. Hmm? You brought a vine out of Egypt. Thou hast cast out the Eden and planted it. So clearly we see from this verse that this symbolism of vine was used to describe Israel. So because God brought Israel out of Egypt. Please follow me. Said, Thou art prepared room before it and did cause it to take deep roots. That is God planted it. He took it from Egypt, transplanted it basically. Extracted it from Egypt and planted it somewhere else. And he said it took deep roots and it fueled the land. So the vine began to spread. It began to multiply. I said the hills were covered with the shadow of it. And the boughs thereof were like the godly cedars. She sent out her boughs onto the sea and her branches into the water, into the river. Why hast thou then broken down our edges? <laughs> that is, God planted the vine and he made a fence around it. He said, for, for some reason, God broke down the fence. So that all day which passed by, by the way, broke her. The boar out of the wood does waste it. And the white beast of the field does devour it. Return with beseech thee, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven. So at this point, they are back slidden. The point here is that the psalmist was saying God recognized Israel, Israel as a vine. You know, we don't pick one scripture and jump into conclusion. It's true. In our usual fashion, we'll look for another scripture. And there is more. I saw another one in Isaiah chapter 5. If you start from verse 1. God again was using this symbolism to refer to Israel. Isaiah chapter 5, I mean, yes, chapter 5 from verse 1. Now I will sing to my well-beloved a song of my well-beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard in a very fruitful hill and he fenced it. Remember what the psalmist said, talking about the edge. He fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine. And built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a wine press therein. And it looked that it should bring forth grapes. Please underline this in your Bible. The vine dresser, God, he said, He looked that this vine should bring forth grapes. <laughs> it should bring forth grapes. That's why He planted it. That was the longing of the Father, the vine dresser. He said, But it brought forth white grapes. Even though he brought forth some fruits, not the kind of fruits unto repentance, not the kind of fruits of the Spirit, not the kind of fruit of multiplication, replication of godly people. 
He said, but it brought forth bad fruit, bad report. By reason of the kind of fruits that this vine brought, the vine dresser was displeased. Sour grapes, wild grapes. He said, now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem, men of Judah, judge, I pray you, between me and my vineyard. So again, he was nailing it on it. That to say, the vine I'm speaking here about is you guys, you inhabitants of Jerusalem, you men of Judah. Say, what could I have done more to my vineyard that I have not done for it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, it only brought forth white grapes. And he went on and on to pronounce his judgment and his displeasure. So when Jesus said, I am the true vine, he was trying to attack an understanding that was resident in the mind of the disciples that Israel is the vine of God. He said, yes, Israel may be the vine of God. When God started this journey, he picked up Israel as a symbol of his vine. He said, but it's not about Israel. No. This is more than Israel. It is me. I am the true vine. You will understand with the disciples. They were told, and they were told correctly, that Israel is special before God. Israel is God's son. God himself said that to Jacob. You are my son. And that Israel is the plan of God for salvation of the world. It is true. But not the nation. Only that someone will come from that place who will then be the true vine among the fruitful vine called Israel. And that man is Jesus Christ. So people, even till today, we think that it's our allegiance to Israel that makes us God's children know. Some of us have said, oh, I have to do Christianity the way Israel does it. So Israel worships on Sabbath. Question, who are they worshipping? Is it the people that don't even recognize Jesus as the Messiah? People who are still waiting for the Messiah that has come. That is only returning not to come and beg them, but to be king. Not to come and persuade them, but to be judge. So it's not your allegiance to Israel. It's not by carrying your Israeli flag. It's not by your political affiliation to Israel that you become a member of the family of God. No. Jesus was saying, I am the true vine. It's true me, not true Israel. Israel may be the vine. May be a vine. I am the true vine. And then we are saved by following Jesus, not by following Judaism. We are not even saved by church or by religion. No. We are saved by following Jesus. It's relationship, not religion. The fact that we are part of Jesus. That's what gives us privileged access to the masterful touch of the vine dresser. So in this verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. So we become members of the family of God just because we are affiliated to Jesus. We are connected to Jesus. We are engrafted into Jesus. We, the Gentiles, you know, Paul was speaking about it. That, yes, the real vine that people knew before was Israel. But we, the Gentiles, we were from a wild vine. 
But we were engrafted, we were cut out from the branch of this enemy, the world, the place of alienation from Christ. But we were engrafted into him. So we have become vitally a part of him by the Holy Ghost, by the words that we heard. We have been infused into him. So it's by the true vine, not by the vine called Israel. He says, every branch, I go to verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, it takes away. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, it takes away. The first thing we should notice here is that you may claim to be a branch and yet not bear fruit. Jesus said that. He said, that branch is in me. Yet, it does not bear fruit. Why? Why should it not bear fruit? Yet, it is in Christ. That branch is in the vine. Why does it not bear fruit? Lord Jesus, help me. How can a branch be in Christ? How can someone claim to be in Christ? And yet not bear fruit. We will see the explanation later. Even in this same passage. But not upfront that it is an anomaly. It should not be heard that someone truly is a branch in Christ and does not bear fruit. It is an anomaly. Oh yes, it happens. But it is not a proper thing to, to happen. It is not. How can you tell me that I have a bottle of water and I have one in my hand right now as I speak. This bottle has been on my study desk for some days now. And its temperature is reflecting the ambient temperature right now. But this same bottle, this same bottle, if I had put it in the deep freezer for a week, it would not be this same temperature. No, it will not. You know why? It's an environment that is different and conducive for a different kind of result. It cannot be at room temperature if I keep it in a working freezer. Except if the freezer where I put this bottle of water is not working. Oh, 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 oh. I didn't put this bottle inside the freezer. I put it beside the freezer. Around the freezer. On top of the freezer. Or in the color of the freezer. So when people come around, they see this water around the freezer. Oh, this bottle will not get cold. Like the one in the freezer. It will not. Many of us are not inside Christ. No. We are around people who are inside Christ. We dress like people who are inside Christ. We talk like people who are inside Christ. We dress like people who are inside Christ. 
We go to places where people who are inside Christ go to. We carry the kind of Bibles that people who are inside Christ carry. But we are not inside Christ. So we do not produce the result that people inside Christ produce. We marvel at the result. And when shame will not let us rest, we go and fabricate a caricature of the result. Jesus is saying you don't have to do that. Actually, you can bear fruit, but only if you come inside of me. There are three things are found in this book of John. Book of John alone. And I told you this is my favorite book. I read this book severally. I've seen three things in this book that are like confirmatory tests of discipleship. Things that Jesus said that if you show this or if you do this, then indeed you are my disciple. That is, if you are going to be called a disciple of Jesus, we must find these three things in your life. They are in this book of John. One of it is on this subject. Ah, my time is running out. I can't teach this today. Maybe in a different series, I will teach the confirmatory test of discipleship. One thing that I remember very clearly, John chapter 8, verse 31. It says, if you are going to indeed be called my disciple, it said, you have to continue in my word, not just have encounter with my word, but continue. Continue. It has to be your daily thing. It has to be your lifelong thing. Not for a while. Continue in my word. He said, that way, you are my disciple. If you go to John chapter 13, verse 35, he gives us another sign. He said, by this shall men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another, that is, if you love the brethren, you love the brotherhood, if you love other believers, you don't castigate other believers. You embrace other believers. Not only those who are in your fellowship, those who are in your branch, those who are in your church, but those who are in the kingdom. Said, if you love them, said, then you are my disciples. The one I want to emphasize is in this John chapter 15. Go to verse 8. We read verse 8 earlier. It says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much truth so that you will be my disciples. So that you will be my disciples. He said, you are not disciple enough if you do not bear much fruit. Much fruit. <laughs> Lord Jesus, help me today. For God, fruitfulness is a big deal. Big deal. Oh, even for the fake vine. You know, we read about Israel earlier as the vine. Both passages that we read, the one we read in Psalms, the one we read in Isaiah, God was saying, the reason I planted you is so that you will bear fruit. Bam! The reason you were created in Christ Jesus, Ephesians chapter 2, as his workmanship, is that you will do good work, and that your fruits will come, that they may abide. That's why he called you. He called you so that you come and do something for him, with him, for the kingdom. He didn't call you to occupy space. Big deal for God. He said because you don't bear fruit. Or you don't bear the quality of fruit I'm looking for. You remember that Isaiah? That guy still bought some fruit. But he said he's sour grapes. Wild grapes. Not fit for the master's use. The master does not delight in drinking from that vine. Le bakatuna. Miriada kaladus. 
Many of us have things to show, but they are not the things that the master delights in. It gives us comfort. That I have to have bearing some fruit. I can do this, I can do that. He said, yes, I see it. But it's not bearing my signature. It's not. I can sing. I said, yes, I know you can sing. I gave you that gift. But you are singing for yourself, not for me. I can preach. He said, yes, I know. I gave you that voice. I gave you the exposure to my word. But you are preaching for your sake. You are preaching to be known. You are preaching to deceive people. You are not rightly dividing the word of truth. I know you are doing it, but it's sour grapes. Sour, sour, sour grapes. I can't take this. This cannot be an offering to me. I can't take this. I can prophesy. Yes, you prophesy, but you prophesy to entertain. You only prophesy to entertain. Can I prophesy? Can I prophesy? You do it so that people will clap for you. You do it to be applauded. Not for Christ to be glorified. I can heal the sick. Yes, you heal the sick. And behind the scene, you ask for them to come and pay for the healing. Freely I gave you, but you are charging people for it. It's a sour grape. It is sour. Don't be comforted that you bring forth fruit. Ask what kind of fruit am I bringing forth? And what quantity? And we will see in scripture, God is even interested in quantity too. Not just the quality of the fruit, but in the quantity. Remember in the book of Mark chapter 11. We start from maybe around verse 12. Jesus was passing. He saw a fig tree. He was hungry. He needed to grab something from the tree. And there are times that Jesus needs something from us. For his kingdom. And there is nothing. The Bible says there was nothing on the fruit. I mean on the tree. And Jesus cast the tree. Oh, you will say it was ash. No, it wasn't ash. He was teaching us something. He said you are just occupying space. All the deposits are put inside of you. All these years you've been a believer. All the teachings, all the messages you've listened to. All the several meetings you've gone to. All the impartations. What do you have to show for it? You're a leaking basket. Everything is entering and leaking away. You are wasting my resources. You are just taking up air, taking up nutrients in the soil, taking up sunshine. That sunshine could have done something for other plants. It could have done something for the, for the community. But you took it. And what do you have to show for it? Nothing but leaves. He said, I'm not into vegetable farming. If I wanted leaves, I would plant a different kind of crop. It's not leaves. I'm not into vegetables. I want fruits. I'm not in the business of timber. It's not wood I want. It's not this your thick wood. I'm not doing this because I'm a carpenter. I need fruits. I don't need your trunk. It's fruits I need. It's not your flowers I need. You are not an ornamental crop. You are supposed to be a fruit crop. It's fruits I need. So Jesus cursed that victory said, let no man from this time eat from you again. Oh. Was there a time men ate from that tree? Was there a time that we had fruit for the Lord? 
But now we have nothing but leaves. Just the paparazzi, the packaging, the empty tongues that go nowhere. Is this what is left? You want to pray? Two minutes you are gone, sleeping off. But the same you, you are on IG, and two hours you are there. From reel to reel, from story to story, from post to post. You are on Insta blog. You are there for hours. We check your phone and look at the time your screen was up. And we see 16 hours. Your phone was on for 16 hours. And we broke down further and check which apps you were using. The Bible is not one of them. It's number 10 on the list. IG is number 1. Twitter is number 2. FaceTime. Snap time. Whatever you call it. You are chatting away. I have nothing to show for it. Oh, you have something. Cleavage is online. You have something. You are twerking online. You have something to show for it. You are chilling with the big boys online. God will help you. He said, I didn't create you for that. I'm a wise investor. I expect returns. He gave a parable in Luke chapter 13, verse 6 to 9. The time is running out. Please go and read it. The wine director was going to remove that tree. Say you are just occupying space. You are just occupying space. This entire tree is a waste of resources. Let me get it out. He said, but somebody was pleading with him. Say, please, give us one more year. Let's put additional resources. Let me put fertilizer around it. And in one year, if you come and you find nothing, then do whatever you want to do with it. Some of us are living on extra time. God is watching you. He said, I put too much in you for the result I see today. I have put just too much in you. The entire year, you have no soul you bring to me. No fruits you bring to me. You cannot go out and evangelize. And you have been a Christian for many years. There is no soul to the credit of your life in heaven. You have never made heaven through a party. You have never shared the gospel. Your, your gospel is only for me, myself and I. You have not told anybody about me. You say, I give you one year. I give you one year. And let me come back. You are building the kingdom. Nothing leaves your pocket. There is glue in your pocket. You cannot pay tithe. You cannot give offering. You cannot contribute to a project. You cannot support the work of God. You will never be there. The day they say, let us come and intercede for lost souls. Let us come and pray for this program. Let us come and do this. You will not be there. You will find a beautiful excuse. He said, I'm watching you. And I'm giving you extra time. The pastors are interceding. Lord God, be merciful to them. Give them more time. Give them more time. He said, but I've given them more than enough resources. What are they doing with it? What are they doing with it? Mercy, Lord. Mercy, Lord. Mercy, Lord. And I'm not even past fast two. Lord Jesus, help me. He said, the, the branch that does not bear fruit, it takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, it prunes. See, whatever excuse you have from, for fruitfulness, God is not going to take it. Just know that it's never the fault of the vine. If the branches don't bear fruit, it's our fault. 
He's saying, for, for those that don't bear fruit, I will take them away. Read what the Bible said. I know there are two schools of thought on this. They said, oh, uh, he's saying those that do not bear fruit, I will lift them up. They reinterpret, they take away, as lift them up. That is, the reason they are not bearing fruit is because, you know, um, the branches have started to miss its direction and is touching the ground and is going into the ground. That's why it's not bearing fruit. Eh? Well, he's not the one that said you should be chilling with the big boys on the ground. You want to bam bam with the big boys? Where you could have been sitting with the big boys in heaven, far away in heavenly places, far above principalities and power, abiding in Christ, reigning with Him. You want to be chilling with the big boys roaming on the ground? How will you bear fruit? So they said it's those people that are, those branches that are growing into the ground. They are the ones that He was talking about it, that He will lift them up so that they will get off the ground. Bottom line is that they are still unfruitful. And God has boss unfruitfulness. There's a different school of thought, and I belong to that. To say take away means take away. Don't spiritualize it, please. He said the branch that does not bear fruit, and we have seen from parallels in scripture, he says, even the tree that does not bear fruit, I will cut it down. The fig tree that does not bear fruit, I cut it. So he said, if you do not bear fruit as a branch, I will take you out. Jesus said it. Take it out. Please bear with me today. I'm going to be spending extra time. I just have a deep burden to teach this. Please bear with me. So he's saying, the branch that doesn't bear fruit, I will take it out. He said, but the one that bears fruit, this is a part, when I first ran into this over 10 years ago, this is a part that beat me. He said, yes. In verse 2, the second part, he said, and every branch that bears fruit, it proves that it may bear more, more fruit, more, more, more. It may bear more fruit. Some versions, instead of using prune, they use perch. And believe me, they are along the same lines. At least working in a processed plant, I know what it means to purge a system. Huh? You purge a system when there are toxic or harmful hazardous substances in that pipeline, in that vessel, in that equipment. So you use an inert gas like nitrogen to purge the place. That is, you remove the things that are risky for that device, for that member, for that vessel. And we are God's vessels. So He purges us with the word. He purges us by encounters with Him. He purges us. He removes toxic things. He removes the excess things. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, help me. La Barouche. He says, the branch that produces fruits, it wants it to produce more fruits. So, you know, we've seen no fruits. Huh? We've seen here, yeah, the one that produces fruits, he's saying, I, I, I want more fruits, more fruits. So, because he wants more fruits, the Bible says, he proves the one that bears fruits. Ah, yeah. So, no matter your level of fruitfulness, there is something called more fruit. It was more fruit. There is always going to be room for more fruit. You have brought 10 people to Jesus. Glory to God. God wants more souls to Jesus. 
When people see you, they say, oh, we see the gentleness of Jesus. He wants more gentleness from you. When they see you, they see the peace of Jesus. He wants more peace to be shown from it. When they see you, they see the joy of the Lord. He wants to see more joy coming from you. When they see you, they see the self-control of Jesus. He wants to see more self-control from you. Oh, no, no. There's something called more fruits. But he said, I will prove you. <laughs> when God started to prove me some years ago, Lord Jesus, there was a season in my life. I said, God, please stop. This is too much. Stop. Stop. He told me one year, he said, a spirit will pass through your heart. I didn't know what it meant. He said, I'm going to cut something off from you. Something that you hold dear, heart, heart. Say, I'm going to cut it off from you so that you will bear more fruits. And by that time, I was bearing some fruits. I know I was bearing some fruit. I was pastoring on campus. I had satellite campuses that I was overseeing. A number of branches. I was in Nifes. I was in Subzona President. I had oversight for 11 campuses. So I thought I was bearing some fruit. My academic life was bearing fruit. I was preaching. I was teaching. I was evangelizing. I was visiting. We were going for mission outreaches. We went to villages and I slept in village and I drank stream water and I slept on the ground and we cut the grass that same day and centipedes and millipedes were coming from the ground and we put trampoline on the floor. We put mat on the floor and we slept in that village for three nights. We went out to talk to the villagers. Some of them were fetish and I went there and I thought I had fruit. And he said, I need more fruit from you. So he told me, he said, it's fear will pass through your heart. I didn't know what it was. I said, Lord, are you saying I will become a martyr? I will have the privilege of dying for Christ. He said, well, maybe not yet. He said, but I have to touch something that is dear to you. So he cut off something from me. And for a period of about one and a half year, I was in severe pains. Severe pains. Because what he cut, I didn't want him to cut. I could leave everything else on the table. Say, God, take all of it, but leave this one for me. And he went right for the one I wanted kept. Para. Minda. Lord Jesus. But I gave it. I gave it. I allowed him. It was tough, but I allowed him to take it out. And after that, I started to bear more fruit. Will pruning be once? No. <laughs> Why? Because after more fruit, there is something called much fruit. So it cuts off continually so that you will reach a place called much fruit. And when you reach there, it cuts some more. Watch out. You want to go to the next level? You really want to chill with the real big boys. The 24 elders. The innumerable company of angels. The people in Zion. The spirit of just men made perfect. <laughs> you can't go like that. He has to cut some things. Those unwanted growths, he will cut them off. He sees that you are growing out of shape, out of pattern. 
it will cut them off. Those excess wood you are gathering, it will cut them off. <laughs> it will cause you pain. I'm laughing now because I know what it is. I know the pain of the lost pruning. It will cut it and it will pain you. You will bleed. It will cut it. But so shall you be my disciples that you may bear fruit. He is cutting it not out of hatred. It's so that you bear more fruit. More fruits comes after the cutting. Not before. Not during. <laughs> oh Jesus. We pray for your shares. Fine dresser cuts off from us. That which prevents you from being glorified. That will prevent you from seeing fruit. The Bible says, by this my father is glorified. When you bear much fruit, all that prevents you from being glorified. Lord, let your pruning shears come. Let your pruning scissors come and cut them off. I want more fruit, Lord. I want more fruit. Lord God, where are those shares that you use in love? Cut from me. And from everyone who is really asking you for the same. Those excess things that are not of you. That prevents the glory from going to the next level. Lord, let them be cut off. I surrender. We surrender. We surrender. Let me go on. Verse 4. This is an entire series I'm trying to just teach in one hour. Lord, help me. Verse 4 says, Abide in me and I in you. If you read through what we read before, and we have read it, you will see he said this about three times. Deliberately. Jesus doesn't waste words. Abide in me and I in you. He puts the two together every time. Why? It's the nature of what we're talking about. If you read Songs of Solomon, I think it's chapter 6. He says, I am my beloved's. And my beloved's mine. That's, that's, that's exactly what, of course, if you read Song of Solomon very well, you, you understand that it was a symbolic book. Yes, you say it's a romantic book. Romantic and symbolic together. Hmm? It was speaking about the relationship between God and Israel to teach us things about a man and his wife. So Jesus is saying here that we both have responsibility. But you need to choose to abide in me. I have already chosen to abide in you. That's what I was telling you when I told you my Holy Spirit, he comes from me. I will put him inside of you. He will stay with you. And behold, lo, I am with you to the end of the world. I already gave you my promise. I told you I will not leave you without a comforter. That's my part. I will do it. But you need to choose to abide in me. You must do your part. Problem is, we don't want to abide. We want to visit. Mm. All we want is an encounter. An encounter is a meeting. It's a transaction. An encounter is good. It will help your spiritual life. But it is just a transaction. It cannot keep you alone. It's not enough. Is that being intertwined with him? Living permanently in the place where you had that encounter, staying there, that is abiding. 
exposing yourself to that atmosphere continually abiding in the presence that is abiding said you have to choose it i have made my decision to say i will abide in you but you have to abide in me i cannot force you judas was in our midst but he, he cannot even abide he has gone out he had urgent business to go and chase he had money to go and make today because of the things we are chasing we cannot abide he said abide in me that's the secret of fruitfulness we must choose to remain in vital connection with him we, we get something from a meeting yes we get something from an encounter oh yes will it last you forever will it you charge your phone overnight yes you unplug it you use it the entire day if your phone is strong you use it for two days in fact let's say you use it for three weeks will it last three weeks the battery will be going down it will be running down oh we meet Jesus in an encounter something happens to your life it goes up if you don't abide what went up will go down you keep it up by abiding by abiding truthfulness depends on abiding he said the branch cannot verse 5 he cannot bear fruit without abiding me not will not not may not not shall not say cannot if you like choose to bear fruit you cannot if you call yourself a branch in Christ you cannot break the scriptures you cannot say Lord I will not abide but I want fruit and I want your kind of fruit maybe you will get something it's not from him and if it's not from him he doesn't glorify him you may deceive yourself into believing that because you do it in his house you do it in his name he glorifies him no he has the record of those who abide in him Jesus knows those who abide in him he knows those who don't he knows those who are faking it verse 5 Jesus emphasized again I am the vine ye are the branches he that abided in me and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me ye can do nothing without me you can do nothing I don't care what you think what you are doing is Jesus calls it nothing if what you are doing the fruit you have does not come from a place of abiding Jesus calls it nothing oh without Jesus without staying in Jesus can I get admission yes I can but it calls it nothing oh can I get a job yes you can but it's called nothing Jesus said it doesn't amount to anything as far as I'm concerned you got it outside of me you get nothing recorded in heaven for what you are calling something many of us have deceived ourselves into thinking we are something well actually we are nothing he says everything you become and everything you can present outside of the vital relationship mutual vital relationship between you and I he said it's called nothing that marriage you got without me you got on your own terms time is going let me go and find a solution he said it's called nothing that child you went to get from that shrine he calls it nothing if you got it outside of him that privileged office he calls it nothing the property the ministry the, the farm page the instagram handles everything the edifices jesus calls it nothing if you got it outside of him Abba no shut up. 
Lord, I want to be like Jesus in my heart. The branch will always remain a stranger and eventually will be cut off. It will wither, it will be gathered by men and burnt off. Except it stays vitally connected to the vine. Many of us are living on that thin line of claiming to abide in him, yet our fruits show otherwise. Either we don't have fruits or we have the quality of fruits that do not represent him. Jesus is the true vine. Only good fruits come from him. If you have bad fruits, it's not from him. If you have no fruits, it's because you are not truly abiding in him. If you have some fruits, he wants you to have more. So get ready for the, for the shares. The pruning is coming. Why? He says, God is glorified when we bear much fruit. Please pray. Pray for yourself. I don't know what you have heard. I don't know what has hit you. I don't know where you are in this spectrum. No fruits. Bad fruits. Some fruits. More fruits. Much fruits. I don't know where you are. But please pray. Pray that you will go to the next level. Engage the Father. He has said, I want to be you. But you need to choose to be me. I can't force you. I'm not a rapist. You need to open the door. You need to put it down. So that we can partner. I want a partnership with you. I want a partnership with you. I want us together to form this unity. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Pray. Pray that if we abide in you. But you need to choose to abide in him. He wants to abide in you. It is his will. He has no problem about it. Engage him. Engage him. This time is for you. Engage him. Engage him. Engage him. God desires truth from you. Not excuse. I'm so busy. That's why I don't have time to abide. No. It's not an excuse he wants. He wants truth. He wants truth. And he wants it from you. He wants it from you. He's not a waster of resources. When he doesn't get fruit for long, he does something about it. Bible says he takes them away. Will you not be taken away? Will you not be broken out of this vine called Jesus Christ? And yes, brethren, some people get broken out. The Bible says the servants, the men will gather them at sticks. They have become so useless. They find no better use than to be bound by men. May that not be your portion. Bring your prayer to your close as I join your prayer. Lord, I pray with my brethren this morning for as many of us that are struggling. Your word has come and it has challenged us. We don't want to remain at this level. Lord, help us. We have genuine struggles. But we know what your will is. That we may bear more truth. Indeed, to point to our discipleship status. Everything that prevents us from this kind of fruitfulness. Lord, we pray that you will deal with them. We give you permission, Lord. That you will be glorified. 
thank you, Father Lord, because from this moment, we'll begin to see changes and the fruit will come and they will abide. In Jesus' name, we pray. Put your hands together for Jesus. Clap for Jesus. Clap for Jesus. Clap for Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. God bless you. In uh, branches all over the nation, we're having programs uh, on Saturday. Please fit in. Join our social media handles to see what those programs are in Abuja, in Lagos, and join one of them. The Lord will bless you as you do so in the name of Jesus. See you next week as we go to the next statement of I am that Jesus made in the book of John. God bless you. Put your hands together for Jesus. Thank you for listening. To get copies of messages, kindly visit our ministry material store and also worship with us at Foundation of Truth Assembly Headquarters on 40 Stroke 42 Imam Dowder Street off Eric Moore, Lagos. God bless you.